For over a decade, I've been a wedding photographer, and I've been a bridesmaid 17 times. And no exaggeration, I've either photographed or attended literally hundreds of weddings. Yet with every wedding I experience, I still am struck by how profound it is that even in this instant gratification, do what feels good culture, millions of people every year decide to get married. Just getting to the aisle is a complete miracle. So much has to line up for two people to first meet, then come together, and then ultimately say, I see you, the good, the bad, the painful, and I choose all of you. Even when it doesn't feel good, and even when I may desire something else, I still commit to choosing you. The whole thing is mind-boggling to me. With this one yes, a person commits to a million tiny and big no's for hopefully decades to come. It's the ultimate practice of restraint. Yet only within this chosen restraint is there the possibility for a depth and intimacy that little else in the human experience can rival. Real intimacy isn't accidental. It's intentional. Kirsten White emphasized this in The Chaos of the Stars. I didn't fall in love with you. I walked into love with you with my eyes wide open, choosing to take every step along the way. This is an excerpt from my upcoming book, Sexless in the City. It comes out in just a few weeks on April 20th. I would be so honored if you took a minute and pre-ordered it. You can go to sexlessinthecitybook.com to pre-order or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere that you order your books. Thank you so, so very much for being on the journey with me. Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Today is part two of my conversation with the Knights at the Roundtable podcast hosts, actor and comedian Angela Johnson, her husband, singer, songwriter, producer Manuel Reyes, and their friend, storyteller and preacher Brandon Smith. Now, first of all, you need to check out their podcast. It's one of my favorites. I found it over quarantine last year, binged it, and then even in prep for these episodes, I listened to, I think, at least 10 before hopping on my call with them. Now, if you didn't listen to part one of our conversation, go do that. Part one is all about doubt. What do we do with doubt in our faith? Does doubt mean we don't believe? What doubts are you afraid of expressing and why? It's a great nuanced conversation. All four of us are on different parts of our spiritual journey with God and Jesus. So be sure and check that out. But today we're talking about sex, baby. We're doing it. (laughs) Pun intended. So 
all three of these hosts are married. All three of them aren't married to each other. Brandon has a wife, Maddie, and Angela and Manuel are married. And they love God, and they all wait until marriage to have sex with their spouses. So I thought, as a single person who's waiting until marriage to have sex, why not ask them, was it really worth the wait? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you might be surprised what they have to say. And I really, really, really want you to listen to the very end of the episode because after they share all of their experiences, I'm going to share with you my thoughts and where I land. And I'll also share with you a bunch of polls I did online asking my community online and my personal friendships, if you had to do it over again, would you wait until marriage to have sex? So stay till the end. It's going to be a good one. Okay, so now that we know where we're, where we're all at, <laughs> um, let's talk about sex. I yeah. Here's what I want to really hone in on with you guys is this. Did you wait until marriage to have sex with your partner? In parentheses, what was that wedding night like? And mm-hmm. if you had to do it over again, would you wait? Why or why not? And so that, I'll go. Those, go. <laughs> and so obviously I'm not married, so I can't answer that question, but I did pulled my people. And so I'll kind of share some stuff, but I mainly want to hear from y'all. Angela. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. I did wait until marriage and um, the wedding night was awful. Yeah. <laughs> it was Nothing like the movies. It was awful on many, many levels. But I feel like I had to do a lot of, over the years, deconstructing from purity culture. There were so many things that I was battling Mm -hmm. now being a married woman, now being allowed to have sex, is now that I'm allowed to, now my body doesn't want to. Mm. Because it's not bad anymore. It's not um, prohibited. It's not... um, you know, like bad. So I'm not being sneaky. So there's, where's the excitement part for it now? Mm -hmm. So my body like turned off. It was like, as soon as the ring went on my finger, the vagina closed up, like, no, we're done. (laughs) And, um, so that was hard. That was like a journey. And then not only that, you're dealing with all the thoughts mentally of like, what does this mean? What's wrong with me? Why am I not doing this? Why am I not like that? Why am I this way? And a lot of guilt and shame and trying to do it the right way, still trying to like be a good Christian and all the things. And I mean, it was like even learning, like exploring and being able to say, okay, maybe we could try toys or like a vibrator. Like, that was so bad, mm-hmm. but we're like venturing out. Let's venture and be low risky for a vibrator. What should have been had a vibrator? You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's, it was a journey and, um, a lot of deconstructing. And, um, if I had to do it again, no, I would absolutely not wait to get married, to have sex. Mm-hmm. No. You'd have a whole phase, babe. Oh, oh I hey. would. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Bust it. <laughs> In that, would you, how would you feel about casual sex versus sex with someone that you were in a committed relationship with? Like, do you, are you just like all systems go or do you feel like there would be a difference in how you would approach that? 
A uh, little bit of both. Okay. I would probably give myself a hoe out phase of just like, what's your name? Cool. <laughs> Let's go. Um, and then I I feel like I would settle into a, I want connection, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I would want to be with someone who I have that connection with um, that I would want to get married with and um, work on that and let not only oh we're getting to know each other like how are you with finances how are you about children how are you about sex let's dive in you know yeah i i i was not a virgin when i got married i was not a hoe twas not a hoe <laughs> uh i was scared of sex to be honest i enjoyed it you know, once I got saved, I got scared of, scared of sex. Pre-salvation, I was not scared. You're like, what it do, baby? Yeah. You're like, it's on. I could not, like, even though I was not saved, I could not, I could not be casual. I was super committed. I never was the guy that was just like trying to smash everything. Just wasn't. I was a hopeless romantic, even pre-Jesus. So it was just like one woman dude, find somebody I care about, then we're good. Uh, then I got saved and I was really scared of sex. I was like, oh my God, I can't have sex now because if somebody gets pregnant, there goes my ministry. Nobody's going to believe me anymore. <laughs> so I'm like exploring how to do the sex thing uh, without doing the sex thing, you mm-hmm. know? And I think if I had to get married again, I always tell my wife, I was like, if you die, I may have a whole phase, but I may not. Because I think I will attempt to have a hoe phase and r- realize quickly, I am not built for being a hoe. I cannot be thoughty and just have I multiple women because there's an, I have a deep fear of getting someone pregnant and I don't, you know, we don't want kids now. And this is my wife. I, you can imagine how much I feel. I don't want a kid with a rando, you know, I'm like, damn it. Now I got to pay for this person right. for the rest of my life. I will never think that two minutes of joy is going to be worth me putting the bill for wherever they're living. So I I don't, I think I would want to be a hoe, but I think I wouldn't. I would find a connection, somebody I really cared about. And I'd be the only way I can really get like down like that. Because in the back of my mind would be like, if the worst happened. Yeah. But you wouldn't wait to get married again. No, I don't think I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't even know if I would get married again, but I feel like, yeah, I know. I, I feel like I would want intimacy because here's the first, here's what happened, you know, and it's funny because I never thought this would happen. When I was single, I was dying to get married. Mm. Then when I got married, I realized, man, there's so many types of people I haven't tried yet. And I know that <laughs> that may sound, oh, many flavors. There's, I mean, that that's coarse, but I'm like, oh, I am now attracted to this type of person. I've never been attracted to that before. Man, I never got to when I was single. Damn it. So now I'm like, there's so many flavors that I really wish I would have tasted. And then I, but I know, you know, I know that's just probably the side of me that I I, I would venture in trying. But then the, like the God and, and moral side of me would be like, bro, this ain't you. You won't, you won't be able to sustain this. You'll quickly find yourself empty and shallow. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think I would want to have a whole face. I don't think I would ever execute. Yeah. But you would have sex outside of marriage. Yeah. 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 And okay. Or at least sexual stuff. Sexual stuff. No 
would. Babe, you don't understand how scared I am of sex. Can, you, can I tell you something that might instill a little bit more fear? Um, let me just evoke fear. Here's a fear narrative. Um, yeah, give me some more. So a person that I know that I love a lot, um, they had a one night stand and the person that they were sleeping with pulled out. No. Guess what? She still got pregnant. Pre-cum. Mm-hmm. Pre-cum got her pregnant. And now this baby is like, you know, the best baby ever. I'm so in love with the baby. And then I'm, we're all hanging out with all my friends and all my girlfriends that have sex. They're like, wait, you can still get pregnant from pre-cum? I'm like, what do y'all know about sex? Yeah, yeah. We're a freaking condom. Like, I, was, I was so scared of sex when I got saved that I remember one time I didn't even, like, I came, I came on the girl's leg. And was afraid that I got her pregnant. Oh God! Literally, like, I thought swimming. I would be, I would be the second immaculate conception <laughs> in the history of the world, <laughs> because I was so afraid, and I thought the Lord would punish me because yeah. He's like, shouldn't be having, you shouldn't be getting down with people. What's wrong with you? you shouldn't, be, and we weren't even having real sex. We, it wasn't even sex. <gasps> it was like I was, was I was bumping and grinding. Yeah, I was jean jean jamming. Jean jamming. <laughs> oh, jean jamming! That's the best. Man, I love a good jean jam. No, I love like, a good jean jam. No, like sex. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Oh my gosh. Yeah, All right, Brandon. Brandon, what's oh, your yeah. what's your story? Yeah. So um, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in a very Christian space. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things they instill in you very early is how sex is only reserved for married people. Mm-hmm. That you don't have sex before married marriage. And so it's funny because that's literally the emphasis of that message. So for me, sex was like this almost like sort of scary thing. But like early on, you're like, oh, I'm so confused because I'm having all these feelings. And, you know, I'm like looking at porn and then I'm like, oh, but I shouldn't be having sex thoughts, you know, all those sorts of stuff. And so I was a virgin. Um and then you know, my wife was a virgin as well. Mm-hmm. So the first time we ever had sex was our wedding night together. Mm-hmm. And it was actually really good. And it was like, it was special, felt connected, all that sorts of stuff. It wasn't like, ow, ow. No, actually, surprisingly, <laughs> it wasn't. I was like so prepared for that. And everyone, like all my uh, all my groomsmen and stuff, you know, with the little pep talk, you know, that happens in the back. They're like, all right, man. Hey, <laughs> hey young boy, li- listen here, man. You're going to want to take that slow. <laughs> Before Manny was in an episode of Law and Order SVU, I was like a murder victim. <laughs> and so it was like, it's funny because when I first thought about what what sex would be like on my first time, you know, you're thinking it's just going to be this like, you know, hardly any communication, our body, mm-hmm. let our bodies talk, you know, all those sorts of stuff. And so I was so concerned because I'm like, obviously this is your first time and I'm not trying to hurt you. So is this okay? Is this okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of that the first time, but I mean, it was still special. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I, I think if I had to do it over again, um, it's funny. Cause I, in, in some ways I still even feel conflicted saying this, this yeah. is how kind of like deeply ingrained it is. And especially too, because like, I'm still involved with like ministry stuff. So this is like, this is my own opinion and this isn't just, but I think if myself and Maddie had to do it again, I think we would have had sex before we got married. Interesting. And the reason being is because there's a lot of things that come up with that. That would be nice to know that you can get kind of a head start on some of that communication. Yeah. Now, again, in that context, 
for me, if I had to do it again, I would. Now, I don't think it's in me to be a hoe, like sort of like Manny, like I just get too emotionally attached way too quick. I've been like that my entire life. Like I just get sprung and have crushes all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can, so, I cannot know. have like a casual crush. I'm like, I'm in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have my babies. This is like, this is it, you know? And so it would be really tough for me, I think, to have that hoe face. Now, I think it would be super special to have that person that I really connect with. And it's in a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like, it's looking like, hey, we're probably going to spend a really long time together. I think for that, for me, I would. And Wait, so again, you would wait or you wouldn't wait again? Wouldn't, wouldn't wait. But if you and Maddie did it again, you would have sex before marriage? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one of the reasons for me that I think it'd be tough for me to be kind of like just out here and being a thought and just with anybody mm-hmm. is... Desire is such a tricky thing, right? And especially for somebody who, like, I, it's weird for me. I realized that if I were to go down that road, it probably wouldn't be healthy for me because mm-hmm. I think sex would become a really dangerous vice for me. Mm-hmm. And I think with that having desire and that desire being really strong, I have found in my life that when desire is spread out amongst many things, it is really hard to rein in. Mm-hmm. There's something powerful about having like an object of desire and you're focusing your desire on that one thing. That's why monotheism is a very powerful thing is like, I I subscribe to Christianity. So obviously it's like my object of desire is God. And so there's something powerful in there. There's some surety, there's some comfort, there's some stability in that. So it's the same thing I think for me, as -hmm. far as in regards to sex um, where Maddie, my wife, is obviously my object of desire, and she's the only one that I'm in a sexual relationship with. So it's a powerful bond there. Mm-hmm. So that's why it'd be tough for me to be a hoe because my, my little ass would just be like, just so confused emotionally with all yeah. that. You know how they say it takes a village to raise kids? Well, the Refined Collective is kind of my kid. It's my little baby. And it takes a village. And I officially want to invite you to be a part of my village. There are a lot of hard costs each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce episodes to licensing music and all the logistics for the Refined Collective. And I would love to invite you to join our Patreon community. Patreon is an incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support TRC for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you'll be notified before anyone else about upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward on the podcast. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to invite you to link arms with my team in sharing some of the load and helping make the Refine Collective the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refined Collective. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Refined Collective. I'm easily whipped. I'll be the dude that'll swear. Oh, I can handle this. And then oh, no. she don't text me back. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Why don't she like me? <laughs> and I'm the one that was like, hey, this isn't serious. This is just casual. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's not calling me back. That, Way too weak. <laughs> that was definitely me when I moved to New York City. And basically, I 
didn't question whether or not I wanted to wait until marriage to have sex because my dating life was like the Sahara Desert. I was like, hello, hello, <laughs> hello. And so I just didn't really have a lot of opportunities to have sex. And in that, I was very much so on a high horse about it. I was like, I'm so much better than everyone else here that's fallen off the bandwagon. Mm. And then I moved to New York and I dated more in one year than I did in a whole decade. I mean, I <laughs> I tried. The whole, I'm going to be like a casual dater. Literally fell in <laughs> love with like every guy. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, we went on a date and now we're married. And <laughs> this is a great time. Thank you so much, God. Um but I realized, man, it's really freaking hard to keep your panties on when you are really attracted to someone and when you're falling mm -hmm. for someone. And so my whole my whole deal that started kind of seven years ago was like, what do I believe about sex and why? Outside of this narrative script that I was given. And even though I was a Bible major, I couldn't tell you for the life of me, does the Bible actually say not to have sex? And so my whole journey started with researching every single verse in the Bible that talked about sex. And that's another podcast episode, so I won't get into that here. But <clears throat> I sort of went on the journey to almost justify why moving forward I wanted to have sex in my dating relationships. And I actually ended that process more conservative than when I started. Um, so I'm I, like now where I'm at is from a place of I'm still choosing to abstain. Um, and... So I, I can't really answer what would I do if I got married. And and I feel like what also feels super important to me in that is like I feel like I worshipped virginity. And mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. as though my virginity was very enmeshed with salvation. So it was sure. like Jesus plus if you're a virgin, that's the only way you can you can. Yeah. That, that you can be quote unquote saved or be in right relationship with God. And I think what feels can feel hard about this conversation is being like, okay, yeah, scripture does to me seem pretty clear about the invitation. And it's also really clear that like, it's Jesus alone. So it's not like, well, but what have you been doing? What, what have you been doing between your legs? Like, no. And so is it okay? Like, is it possible for people to love Jesus and really be seeking God and land on different parts of this conversation? Like, do we have space for that? And I feel like the black and white, like past of like how I've grown up, that feels like hard for me to accept, but it's the place I want to live in is not to be like, you have to do this. You have to wait. You have to do it my way. Like, no, like, can I have space? Can we have space for people? I think like most things in the Bible, God was more fluid than what we like to be. So we yeah. like to be black and white. If you have sex before marriage, yeah. you're bad, you're damaged mm. goods. Where God's like, hey man, sex is awesome. It's carnal. You'll want it as much as you want food. As you know, it's not, it's not like a thing that's just like, oh, I could just turn it off. It's not. It's just, it's a very strong thing. And I think God's intent for, you know, I guess wanting to express it in marriage is, hey, man, in, in, in this relationship, as most things, this will probably be the safest space that you're able to express this thing, knowing that the other person isn't going to leave, bounce, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and break you, you know? But if you choose to act outside of it, you just need to know the consequences that come with it. Mm. And... One thing I realized mostly is because like when you when you engage in a bunch of sexual exploration, it's fun as hell, right? And you get to experience so many things, so many people, so many people that will never be comprised in one person. 
And that's one thing that I realized when I got saved. I was like, oh, I know Shorty over here. She gave really good head. Shorty over here knew how to ride really well. Shorty (laughs) over here did this really well. None of them did it all. Mm. But then you finally end up with the one person. And if that one person cannot compare to all of your memories, you may get tricked into thinking you're missing out. Because you know what good head feels like. You know what good sex feels like. You know what good this feels like. You know what all this stuff is good. But then you find yourself married and and your partner may not be. What if you get married and he's a two-minute guy? Can't go farther. Sorry. It's just like one of those things. Or you get married to a girl and, and anatomically, you guys aren't matching. Or, you know, a multiple of things that could happen to where you're like not experiencing it like you did. And you may feel robbed, even though the rest of your life is freaking amazing. But this little part, because you have those memories, you bring them into your relationship and you can't not be comparative. Some people in that situation feel that that is truth and they'll bounce and they'll feel like, I don't have everything that I need here. Some that are wiser will understand you will never have everything you need Mm -hmm. in one person. And it's a fool's errand to go try to find... uh, everything in one person and expect that one person to satisfy everything that you are because it's just not realistic. No one person can be everything. They may be, some people are amazing in bed, but they suck at communication or vice versa, you know, or some person may be great at communication, great in bed, but suck with money and you're broke and you're always poor. So it's like- you're having good sex. But you're having great right. sex on a on a bed that's very cheap and very springy. <laughs> on the flow. <laughs> on the floor with no bed frame. <laughs> um, you said something that is um, interesting and that we hear a lot in Christianity. Mm. You said, can you have sex before marriage and be in right relationship with God? Mm-hmm. And I feel like for that question, the can you fill in the blank. Yeah. Be gay. Can you have sex before marriage? Can you get divorced? Can you whatever and be in right relationship with God? The answer is always yes. Can you be human? Yes. Because these are all traits of humanity. These are not traits. Like for the, I'm curious if the conservative is still listening. Mm. They probably shut it off at minute 15. (laughs) But if the conservative is still listening begrudgingly, because she's writing writing down notes all the things that she's gonna attack us with. If they're <laughs> still listening, yeah. <laughs> if you're honest with yourself, you know, are you okay with the idea that humanity, what we're what we're describing, what we're saying, these are human thoughts. These are not thoughts that are absentee from a Christian. These are thoughts that are present within a human being. Wow. Yeah. Because on the other side of marriage, that single people don't know that marriage is insanely hard. And I will never judge another marriage for what they have to do to stay together. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I don't care if it's, you know, I was watching the Sex in the City movie again and he, you know, Big was like, let's do two days apart. I'm going to go to my apartment, you go to yours, and I'm, we're just going to be able to do whatever we want for two days. And I'm like, yeah, that, <laughs> that sounds, that sounds pretty amazing. And I wouldn't be like, <laughs> yeah, we do that. I'm like, I wouldn't be like, oh, you guys don't love each other. It's like, it's very hard for to stay together forever without some kind of compromise on what you thought yeah. marriage would be. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with sex. You thought it would be easy to be a believer and not have sex. You thought 
the best thing to do is stay a virgin. But then when you get married, you realize, oh my God, the amount of baggage I brought in. Mm. And I'm not promoting go sleep with people and find out who you are. I'm not. Because like I said, you know, the worst part about it was bringing in your past and your memories. And I I spent most of the beginning of the marriage just saying no to them and Mm. saying that they're lies, speaking to them like, you're lying to me. You're lying to me. I'm better off now. But to deny the humanity of it all, is really the biggest crime because you you now disconnect yourself from the rest of the world that is dying to to find Christians that actually think human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where it's like, is there a way to this very divine God by way of being human? Right. Because what you have sold me is there's a way to get to this God uh-huh. by way of being God. Right. Mm-hmm. By being perfect. You can and- access him. If you're good enough, mm. don't come with a skirt in the church. Don't come with chains and don't come cussing. Don't come whatever, because this, our God does not accept you. Don't come gay. Don't come struggling with your sexuality. Don't come bisexual. Don't come any of those because our God wrote it in black and white and we will enforce mm-hmm. it. We have fallen in love with enforcing way more than understanding. Yeah. yeah. And that's sad. That's uh, that kind of leads me to a thought of this thing of why I think the story of Jesus is so powerful is because like we've always been spiritual beings and here for the first time this person comes to show us what it means to be human Ooh. in a whole new way how to do it right Jesus is not just this like the savior that was just born from the cosmic sky and he's like believe in me I'll take you to heaven but he's actually like a prototype of a whole new way to be human Right. Like when we look at John one, there's this famous passage and it says that the word became flesh. Like that's really the whole arc of the Bible. Mm -hmm. It is all these amazing ideas and truths and all of these things combined trying to become human. Like that's the whole goal of this thing. It's not so that you could become more spiritual. Uh. It's like, it's just so you could be more human and just wow. be better at it. Yeah. I read that in a book. I, I think it was, it was Roar. And he said that he's like, Jesus was more showing you how to be human mm. than, than showing you who God, who God was in that divinity. You know what I'm saying? He was giving you an example of how to be you, yeah. human, a human being, yeah. not let me show you what God looks like with skin on. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because he knew the reason he was there was because we were going to fail at trying to be like him. Yeah. So he wanted to show us how to be like us in a way that would still allow us to connect with him. Yeah. And I think that's the beautiful thing of God, which is very anti a lot of the things that the Western church believe, you know? Right. And I was I was guilty of it. When you mentioned it earlier before, Jesus was more peace, uh, um, more of a of a forgiving father. I had a girl hit me up on Insta, um, on Facebook a couple of days ago and she was like, I'm very bothered by your last music video. <laughs> and I was like, well, what bothered you? It was very dark. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> it was very dark and it, it just seemed like there was no light in it. And uh, just it just feels like, where's your heart at with the Lord? What are you making music for now? <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, this lady. I was, You're like, I'm I sorry like, I asked. <laughs> I've only ever made music for, you know, one person. But mm-hmm. I think what you're saying says more about how you see God than how I see God. Yeah. Yeah. It really, it really is just as simple as that, you know? And and if you think that God is that afraid of my creative 
uh, exploration, then bruh, I feel really bad Mm. for the God that you serve because that fool don't know anything. He's just very as unknowing as you are. And there's probably a thousand people that will be upset that I just said fool. <laughs> I remember the last time I did a video and I called Jesus fool. I had 15 Christians who were oh, like, no. the Lord is not a fool. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> then did you give me your lesson in language? You're like, listen I to did. this podcast on language. Yeah. Thank you. Thank oh, you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I think what, what I see about the person of Jesus, and we'll just kind of wrap up here, is, you know, Jesus always acknowledged the societal norms and what was happening in culture. He's like, you've heard it said this. And then Mm -hmm. he's acknowledging here's how religious institutions have done it. So Mm -hmm. even like the woman caught in adultery, I feel like is such a profound moment in the new Testament of like culturally and religiously, the woman in adultery deserves death. And then Jesus says, but there's another way. Like instead of going to the the rules of culture or the rules of religion, Jesus said, um, you who is without sin, like be the first to throw a stone. And like how provocative and scandalous that Jesus made another way. Like Jesus yeah. stepped into the gray as mm-hmm. Jesus walked the earth and it pissed everyone off. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm like, maybe I'm in a good spot because I just piss people off all the time. But like, I kind of feel if you're not pissing people off, you're not, I don't know if you're doing it right. Yeah. I yeah. think you're more falling in line if you're, because yeah. I think that's, the, that was the whole premise of Jesus doing it because the amount of rules that his people had to follow. Yeah. That again was self-inflicted from day one. They wanted rules. They didn't want to just follow a God that they knew was there. They wanted a king and the king came with rules and they wanted a book. They wanted they wanted rules and they wanted wars they and wanted they, a warlord. It got so specific. <laughs> if you read through freaking Exodus, the rules that the, you know, he told Moses passed down. Hey, if a kid hits his dad or mom, he gets killed. Dang. That's like a real thing. <laughs> if you, the only way you're out of it is if you accidentally kill someone, then you get punished. But the rules were that specific. If you hurt someone, you have to pay for their, for their, all their bills dang, until they get better. And you're responsible for, for them to get, if they die, then you got to die. Damn. Unless you accidentally killed them. Then you have to figure out how much that guy's life was worth. And that's what you have to pay to their family. Wow. <laughs> Could you imagine? These were real rules that Jewish, that the Jewish people had to live by. Wow. It went on and it even, it even mentions if you're in a fight with each other and one of you accidentally hits a pregnant person and that baby dies or something happens to the mom, you have to take care of them wow. for the rest of their life. That's wow. those are rules. So I'm like, Christians, do you really want to do you really want to go by the letter of the law? Like do you really want to abandon grace so much and and really live by this book? Because if you do, there's a lot that you're gonna have to there's a lot that these are the same rules that they were living by when Jesus came. I yeah. wonder if there was any insurance scam Jewish people back then <laughs> that was just like, yo, we on rough times. Who determines Babe, this I know stuff? you really want that baby, but I'm going to need you to go jump in front of um, <laughs> the shepherd over here and accidentally get whacked one time because Weird. we need somebody to pay our bills. These are rules. If you, if like, you hit your slave, <laughs> they, had, they even said this, if you hit your slave and their tooth comes out, the slave is allowed to leave. Oh, Ooh. dang. I'd be like, believe I sign up for that insurance scam. <laughs> right here. God, I got, 
So all that to say is like <laughs> living by the letter of the law is not, it's, you said something earlier to in the beginning of the podcast where you say grace space, you know, mm-hmm. like that's where I want to live. Yeah. Not because I'm um, oblivious to the law or because I don't understand that the law is what brought me to Christ. It's because I understand that the idea of being able to uphold this law and even in pertaining when it comes to sex, something so difficult to even master within the confines of the quote unquote right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have to have grace for each other. Yeah. You got to have space. You got to be fluid. This thing is ever changing and it's too big to just nail down. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, we will end there on that. Thank you guys so much for your heart and your time. And I'm grateful for you. And thanks for just diving in the deep end and keeping it real. Heck yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. That was fun. All right. How are we all feeling? I'm not going to lie. I was not expecting this to be their answers. Well, I did know Angela because she shared that on another episode, but I was actually surprised by Manuel's answer and Brandon's answers. And to be frank, as the only single person on the conversation, I left thinking, am I crazy? (laughs) The only one who's currently waiting for marriage to have sex in a room full of three married people who have just told me they wouldn't wait again. It was hard. It was hard and I, to be frank, was a little discouraged, but also I am so grateful for their honesty because you know what? We have the permission to be honest. And if God is real, God does not have a fragile ego and we can be honest with God, with ourselves, with each other. I think it just helps normalize the conversation around sex. Now, that being said, as I left the conversation, I thought, is this how all married people feel? So I sent out a poll on Instagram and over a thousand people responded to the question, would you wait again? And (laughs) 69% of the people said yes. Hey, yo, 69. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, God, you have a great sense of humor. (laughs) So 69% of the thousand plus people who responded to the question said yes, they actually would wait again. And then I asked my personal community and I've been a bridesmaid 17 times. Hello. And so I asked a lot of people and it was about 75% said yes. As a person who is following God, who loves Jesus, they'd wait again, which means there's 25% of those people who said, no, you know what? I would have sex before marriage. Now I want to read you a few things that people sent to me and the DMS and then my personal friends who gave me permission to share some of this. And one is from a husband and wife. Both of them said that they had sex with other people outside of marriage, but with each other, they waited. And would they do it again? They said yes. And here's why. They said that they wanted to be able to do something with each other that they wouldn't do with any other person in the planet to sort of celebrate their marriage, that this relationship is different than any other relationship. And they both kind of said there's something really distinct about marriage. And so to have something that physically marks that for us feels really important. And I'd never heard that before. And I thought it was super interesting. Now, I had another friend who shared her story. Her and her husband had a ton of sex before they were married with each other. And then they broke up and got back together And they actually lived together before they got married and they decided to abstain from sex. 
They said they would both wait again, and here's why. They said that waiting developed this deep resolve in them and a deep level of trust. Like, sex wasn't bad, it's really good, and they showed themselves and each other that they can say no to something really good for the sake of a future vision that they really care about. I thought that was super interesting. Now I have another friend, her and her husband, both Christians, love Jesus, involved in their churches, and they said no, they wouldn't wait until marriage to have sex again. Once they got married, they both realized, and I've actually heard this a lot, that everything kind of feels like sex. So when you're being physical with each other, she said it's all of it is your sex life. And she said, to be frank, if I was in a position of being single again, I don't think after experiencing all that, I would want to say no to that. So that's her perspective. And then the final couple that I talked to I thought this one was super interesting because they are very much in a deconstruction process of their faith. And I don't know that they would either really consider themselves Christians at this point in their life. Still are spiritual, doing a lot of work. And they said they would still wait. And I thought that was fascinating because I think as people of faith, that is very common in faith circles. But once you no longer adhere to faith or Christianity, kind of Angela's response. I want to have all the sex. And they said, similar to the first couple that I shared with you, that she would wait again, even with another partner, because there was something distinct about having sex within marriage. Like she said, you know, I waited my whole life to wear a wedding dress and you wear your wedding dress at your wedding. She said, I want to experience sex with one person. I just thought that was super interesting. She said the one thing we would do differently was release the shame of being a sexual being in dating, i.e. not shaming themselves for having sexual desire, not shaming themselves for having conversations about, oh, I feel turned on right now, or I'm really turned on to you. There was just a lot of shame there from purity culture. So that was the thing that they would change. So all that to say... I'm just the person that asks the hard questions, maybe leaving you with more questions than answers. But again, why I'm grateful for this episode is because I think there are a lot of married people who probably feel the same way as Angela Manuel and Brandon, and also like my four friends that I just shared with you. That's okay. I think that God has space for us where we're at. Back to where Jesus says, I believe, help my unbelief. I quoted that at the beginning of part one of this series with the Knights at the Round Table, folks. Jesus meets us where we're at and meets us in our doubt and meets us in our process. And I think other people's process can feel really threatening to me if it doesn't fit within my mold or box or I'm like, well, but the Bible says this. Aren't you supposed to do this? I just think God has a lot of space for us. So I hope you like this episode. I hope that it helps you to think. And like Manuel and Angela and Brandon say at the end of all of their episodes, and they preach this, I just preach this as well. No matter what you have or haven't done, where you are or aren't on your spiritual journey, we all have a seat at the table. So thank you for listening to this episode. If you want a deeper dive into this specific podcast episode, I'm doing a special video on Patreon this week where I'm unpacking more of what do we do when a lot of married people say they wouldn't wait again. So check that out at patreon.com slash the refined collective. It's $5 a month and it really helps us 
keep our lights on, all that good stuff. And then if you have any specific questions, go on social media at The Refined Woman, send us a little DM. And until next time, talk to you soon.